Welcome to the Global Macro Trader. Good day, everyone. Today is February the 12th, 2024. Just a quick disclaimer before I begin. Nothing I say should be construed as a recommendation. I am definitely not recommending anyone buy or sell anything. I am just outlining my views over what I am planning to do or what I have done in terms of my own portfolio. With that out of the way, let's begin with the fun stuff. Okay, so this podcast is in conjunction with the research report that was just published yesterday. You can find that for free at theglobalmacrotrader.substack.com. The Global Macro Trader is all one word. So that's theglobalmacrotrader.substack.com. Anyway, you'll find more information on that site. Um, in these research reports, I issue, usually include charts and some more information. But in terms of those who just want a quick overview of the topics covered, I could do that here relatively quickly. So I covered five topics last week in addition to the usual uh portfolio of my actual trades but these are kind of high level things that i am thinking about and i think people should be thinking about as well so the first last week we had the senior loan officer survey um, which i also discussed as a tie in with the consumer in general a couple of interesting things from the survey um, first is that credit conditions are not changing so they're not loosening but they're not getting worse. So 85% of respondents said that credit conditions remained unchanged. The Fed could take this as a positive in the sense that the banks are not putting their foot down any further as a result of what's happening um, with this recent situation, New York Community Bank Corp uh, problem. But even generally, as the year went on, there were fears that they may begin to tighten even further. So from that standpoint, one could see that as a positive. However, I also thought what was interesting about the report are the expectations for 2024. So banks overall expect to tighten further credit card loans, auto loans, and commercial real estate loans. Banks also expect the loan quality overall is to deteriorate. However, Banks expect loan demand to strengthen through this year. So that seems a bit counterintuitive. How can you expect more demand for loans as they're deteriorating and you're tightening credit conditions overall? And the most frequently cited reason by banks is the expectation of lower rates. So the way I read this is that both the bank officers and customers are just sitting on the sidelines waiting for rates to drop before they resume activity. This is something that I discussed last week and, and even the week prior that uh, all of this positivity about rate cuts to be coming soon could have been, and I think could be, if it were to happen, dangerous. The economy is not terrible shape. It's actually reasonably strong. Now, if you start cutting now, without inflation really being tamed. As we see here from these respondents that everybody's on the sidelines waiting to pick up activity. So there is that current pain ongoing, but this positivity that 
things would be better around the corner. So two things. One, if the Fed were to cut, clearly to me this indicates the economy would reaccelerate quite strongly. But two, if the Fed stays to their word and does not cut, then I think we could really start to see uh, pain come through other various economic data points because this continues to be an economic drag on the economy. That's the whole purpose of having restrictive monetary policy. In addition with tight lending standards, it's very difficult to make the argument that you're going to outgrow potential uh, GDP in a condition with such restrictive levels. So this kind of goes to my supporting my view that I think we are still going to see a slowdown unless, of course, the Fed pivots prematurely, which I don't believe they will. Now, this takes me to the consumer. Everyone knows what the the retail sales report was strong during the holiday season. As I pointed out, I think we should take that with a grain of salt. But nevertheless, it is a strong print. Now, the question is, how strong is the consumer? So in the research report, I reprinted uh, the courtesy of the St. Louis Fed, some interesting charts. First being the personal savings rate as a percentage of disposable income. Now, this has dropped significantly. People maybe erroneously think that, sure, it's pulled back a little, but we're still at healthy levels. We're not levels, not just below pre-pandemic, but we're before the GFC. Not These current levels are have not been seen since 2007. This type of drawdown in the personal savings rates and, and pullback, I think is also consistent with prior work conducted by the San Francisco Fed last year, which I did link in the report. And that stated at that time, their expectations that the aggregate stock of excess savings will likely be depleted by Q3 of last year. What are, we, what are we seeing now? Increased credit card usage and increased delinquencies, which I will get to in a second. But this makes sense as the savings rate has now significantly dropped down. Now, in terms of credit cards, I've also included these charts, again, courtesy of the St. Louis Fed. In terms of delinquency for all banks, they are now higher uh, than pre-pandemic. So we are above those levels. Now, that only tells part of the story. I then further looked at the difference between the top 100 bank clients and those not in the top 100. So for the top 100 banks, credit card delinquencies are higher than pre-pandemic. However, they're not excessively higher than during the prior decade, during the 2010s. However, if you take a look at the credit card delinquencies for clients, of banks that are not in the top 100. Not only are these delinquency rates higher than pre-pandemic, they are at the highest rate going back since 1992. That is quite a shocking chart. This really tells me that America is significantly bifurcated between those that are doing relatively well, certainly the top portion of um, consumers, those with large stock portfolios are doing well, certainly. But a big portion of America is really starting to feel the pain. 
in terms of overall picture, this actually really stresses that given the low level of unemployment, I mean, we're still near historic levels. What if, as I believe, unemployment rate starts to increase? We could then see significant waves of delinquencies and defaults through the system. And given that the level of delinquencies is highest in those of banks of the more really let's be honest the regional banks and the regionals have underperformed the big uh money center banks for a while again in terms of just looking at it from a trading perspective perhaps this as a paris trade will continue to do well certainly as having a hedge on uh with shorts on the, on the regionals but is an economy-wide concern it really does um raise red flags for me because once we, as I believe, see unemployment increase, then we the underlying structure of the economy, I think, potentially is weaker than many people think. The second item I outlined in the research report that I thought was interesting was looking at the auctions from last week. So we had record-setting 10-year benchmark uh, note auction last week. The, the interesting part is the... A, the market stopped through. There wasn't the concession I thought it would be. We did see buyers come in. Uh, and these the, the split of market participants was also interesting in that there were more funds uh, participating in here. So these are price-sensitive buyers. We now know Treasury will not increase the size uh, of the benchmark for a few quarters, so there is some certainty there. We know inflation is continuing to move towards target. Now, this is before the CPI and PPI data this week, but overall the trend is moving in one direction. And as I, if I believe, or if I am correct in my belief that we get an economic slowdown, again, this will also be a further driver in long-term assets. So in talking to, from my former life uh, as a PM, uh, other managers that I know still in the business, you know, some of them are kicking themselves for not getting the 10-year when it was at 5% and then at 4.5%. I think given some of these, the certainty in terms of now, while it's a massive amount, they're not increasing it, the inflation data, and then some of these potential cracks, I think something, you know, in the four and a quarter, quarter range of a 10-year is going to look very attractive. And so as I've, I've been advocating, this is a year to play the ranges. I think this is a year to have, uh, to be agile enough and look for dips. And I'm not the only one who's looking for this in, in talking to people that manage real money, long-term assets, they too are looking to be dip buyers. And there are some strategies even outside of being, I mean, I, I trade both futures and equities. Um, and so I, I'm a little more advanced perhaps in some people, but even for my longer term retirement accounts, you know, something as simple as I have TLT and I'm selling calls against it and just generating even additional more yield because I don't think yields are dropping to 3% anytime soon. I think we're looking at several months of oscillating around this 4% area before, as again, if my theory is right, that the economy slows down. Once we see that, then, you know, clearly everyone's going to be piling in, not basically across the board. Because then, the uh, as I also have discussed before, once that happens, 
we are going to have to get down uh, or the Fed's going to have to get down significantly below this level of restrictive monetary policy. Now, this brings me to the third point that I covered, which is on Fed speakers. So there was some uh, discussion last week. Uh, Neil Kashkara from uh, Minnesota came out with comments talking about the potential of R star being higher. Now, from my perspective, I think this is cover to have the Fed remain standing pat for longer. I Any potential data that may signal them to the Fed that it's they could move, I think they could point to this kind of rationale saying, wait, we think we have to squeeze a little harder. And this also goes back to what I've discussed before, that Chair Powell is very concerned about his legacy. He talks about Volcker. He talks about the type of Fed chairman he wants to be. And that is not one that's going to back down before squeezing inflation. So uh, I think this type of rationale is justification going forward to hold rates longer than they need to. Now, some, and when I've talked to them, kind of whispered that perhaps they are setting up for changing the target away from 2%. I think that's that's um, unrealistic, completely unrealistic. There is no way before they reach target, they will ever adjust their their 2% goal. It's It would just, they would blow the reputation to pieces. They've felt the reputation hurt from their poor predictions surrounding COVID that to have them even even entertain that possibility in the near term, I think is almost a zero probability. Or there's always some probability, of course, but I think it's very, very, very low. Now, if we're looking at late 25, maybe 2026, and they want to think about differences in targets once they are at target for a long period of time, sure, that is a possibility. But I would not be worried about that. I would actually say... If anything, this kind of conversation uh, really helps reinforce, again, my theory that they are going to choke this economy to a slowdown. And I think that's, that's uh, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, but I think we're looking at that as a, as a real possibility. Now, speaking of stress, I also then, the next uh, fourth topic I discussed was commercial banking. So Treasury Secretary Yellen came out last week and said, there is stress in the financial system around commercial real estate, but it's manageable. Now, I think many of us know that the Fed's track record of predicting future stress events is not great. I, and I pointed out the um, famous uh, Chair Bernanke at that time, Chair, in 2007 at a speech that stated, and I quote, at this juncture, this is in 2007, at this juncture, however, the impacts on the broader economy and financial markets of the problems in the subprime market seems likely to be contained, end quote. We all know what happened in 2008 and 2009. Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to have a 2008 series. However, there's an estimated $1.2 of debt that will mature through 2025. And these are 
refinancings that will occur at significantly higher levels, even if rates do come in a little more over the next year. Unless something drastic happens over the next six months or eight months, this is a massive amount that needs to be refinanced. There's a total of $2.2 trillion that's due by the end of 2027. And this is uh, out of a perhaps total of $6 trillion uh, that was at the end of December. So a significant amount of money in commercial real estate needs to be refinanced. Fitch, uh, according to Fitch, delinquencies on commercial mortgages were 2.25% in 2023. But they're expecting this to rise to 4.5% this year and 4.9% next year. Again, I think they may actually be conservative. I think there could be even more than that. Now, I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. Nobody does. But given the massive amount of money we're talking about, this is just yet another rational rationale for getting into a bit of a longer duration asset. Because if these cracks worsen, all over, all in total, what is the Fed going to do? They will use their toolbox and specifically their rates to cut policy to help the economy. So again, the idea of rate hikes coming down the corner, I think are long gone. I think the question is getting to a position that as once and if rates cuts really start to come into the discussion, I think they may come in harder than people think. But I think that point, the tipping point, will be delayed a little longer. Finally, I did a quick follow-up regarding China. I talked to China a bit the prior week, and I've been watching for for some kind of indication that something's going to happen there. Their, their equity market has been in tatters for years. Now, I do realize most people in China do not invest in equities like in the States. However, between the equity market and their real estate market, they are in serious trouble. Last week, China replaced the head of the Chinese uh, Securities Regulatory Commission. This was an unexpected move, a move that happened in addition to a number of other steps that they've done, which I outlined last week. I don't think that alone is a pivotal point. However, what I was trying to discuss in the in the research report is, look, we have a number of things coming up. This this week is Lunar New Year. We then have the National People's Congress, that begins March 5th, and the agenda items include economic and social development. I think that there is a reasonable probability that they, the Chinese authorities will come out with re, all guns blazing to try to help stem this decline. Now, there's really only three outcomes, well, frankly, in almost every situation. Either their equities don't move, their stimulus is a positive surprise, and their stocks move up significant, you know, decent amount, let's say over 5%, or their stocks collapse or, or by 5%, let's say. And really, I, I actually think once they move either direction, we're looking at more of a 10% move in either direction. And as such, one of the things I've been thinking about is putting on some option trades, whether they be strangles, straddles, those type of trades to benefit from a move in either direction, betting that by the summer, 
the probability that equ their equities remain flat, I think is pretty low. So I think in terms of risk reward, this is an interesting opportunity for me, um, or at least how I'm thinking about it. So in addition to these topics, I also outlined my normal trading positions uh, regarding equities, fixed income, oil, and gold. Thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and at least found something of interest. Please go over to the website if you would like to have more information or you want to get a hold of me. My contact information is available on the website. Please rate this podcast five stars as I would really appreciate it. Thank you again and talk to you next week.